All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It is very good to see you here and to hear that nice, strong response. <laughs> um, you know, brothers and sisters, I just have to say here um, that I love today's passage from Romans. Okay? I love this passage. I love its sense of immediacy and it, its call to action. Now is the time, says St. Paul. Salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Every time I read this passage, it takes me back to the dawning of my faith, the dawning of my mature faith. And I was baptized as a kid like I, everyone else, you know. But when I woke up, as it were, this is one of the passages that spoke to me. We're at that time, at the dawning of my faith, reading these words, I could truly say, the night is far gone and the day is near. Let me lay aside the works of darkness. Let me put on the armor of light. I mean, just that phrase, the armor of light, what does that mean? What is Paul talking about? What spectacular image is coming to him? Let me put on the armor of light. And dear Lord, let me put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this passage. St. Paul's urgent appeal to the Romans is as timely and moving today as it was 2,000 years ago. For now is the time. This day, this hour, this place, for this is indeed all that we have. Tomorrow is not promised to us, but our salvation and our redemption is promised. And indeed, it has already occurred. As Advent begins our liturgical year, we are again reminded that we live in a time of expectation. Our celebration of the incarnation of the Word made flesh and the joy and wonder that it brings, that is at hand. I'm sure you all have songs that you're just yearning to sing, that all year you're waiting to sing joy to the world. One of my favorites, I can't wait to sing Angels We Have Heard on High. I can sing that every Sunday from now until, but I wait. So we have that. We have that expectation. And we have the great day of Christ's return drawing near. We hold these two elements, these two ideas, these two realities in a sort of uh, eschatological tension for both are ever-present. History and hope sit side by side. And we know that Advent is a time for, for preparation and for introspection, for renewal and praying, paying attention, and asking questions. What world do we desire for ourselves and future generations? How have we helped it? How have we hindered it? A year from now, when we're at the end of this liturgical year, we'll have a passage again from Matthew, the 25th chapter, there with a judgment. Well, he will say and ask of those who come to him in judgment, 
Whatever you did to these who are the least of my children, you did to me. And what you did not do, you did not do to me. The question hangs for us, brothers and sisters. What world do we wish for ourselves? What actions do we call from ourselves? How do we bring this world into being? Or how do we hinder it? Now is the time for deep reflection. Wake up, says St. Paul. Keep awake, says Jesus. And do not lose yourself in speculations about when and how Christ will appear. For about that day and hour, no one knows. Neither the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And it has been my experience that God doesn't let on too much about what's going to happen and when it is going to happen. And so what are we to do? We have St. Paul's words, the startling and insistent admonitions. These words, if you may know, and the actions that they described transformed the life of a brilliant African scholar. And by extension, they transformed the trajectory and thinking of the Western Christian Church. They turned this man from serving the emperor of Rome to serving the true Lord, Jesus Christ. What words, you might ask, what words were they that transformed him? These words from Romans, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. Those are the words. And who is the man? Who is this African from the backwaters of ancient Tunisia? We know him as St. Augustine, the passionate, challenging doctor of the church who was praised and reviled 1,600 years after his death. One day, in a garden in Milan, he hears a girl or boy singing a little song. Take and read. Take and read. He picks up an epistle. Goes to the first thing that he sees. Not in reveling. and drunkenness. And it is as if a thunderclap happened in his life. Say what you will about Augustine. Love him or hate him. But his love for Christ cannot be denied. His love fired by these words from Romans cannot be denied. Late have I loved you, he says, and he writes in his confessions, beauty so ancient and so new, late have I loved you. Remembering his earliest days, late did I come to you, and now you touched me, and I burned for your peace. Once awakened, Augustine put on the Lord Jesus Christ, just as we are called to do. And how, you might ask, how do I do this? By discernment and by prayer, by stopping and 
taking stock of our lives, by listening for God's still, small voice. Augustine became a bishop and a monk who heeded these words now that come from Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Perhaps during this season you'll, you'll take up some spiritual discipline in these coming days. For myself, I'm going to go up to Holy Cross Monastery for a silent retreat with some Benedictine monks there. We will be there, I'll be there, hopefully three, four, five days. In prayer, our days will begin. Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. The only time we talk will be when we pray, and our days will end with the Lord Almighty and merciful Lord. Bless us and keep us. Amen. Let it be so. For you, as Father Manoj has already said, there is an Advent quiet day that is coming this Saturday. That's an opportunity for you, all of you, to take advantage of a time of quiet, to, as, as Jesus Christ says, come away to a quiet place and be at prayer. These are ways to prepare for our festive celebration as we live in the expectation of the promised day of peace that dimly shines, the day that Isaiah spoke of in that reading, the day that is on the horizon of time, the day when howitzers and missiles and suicide drones will be disassembled and the teachings of Hannibal and Lao Tzu and Patton and Rama will be put aside as those of Gandhi and King are taken up with those of Tutu and the 14th Dalai Lama. The day of promised peace when the AK-47s in Tel Aviv and on the West Bank will be put aside and Jerusalem will truly be the city of peace, the Yerushalem of peace. That day dimly shines, brothers and sisters. It draws near, for the night is far gone. Jesus Christ has come, died, and been resurrected. That night is far gone, and the day draws near, even though it may seem, and it appears, and it is true, that darkness still reigns in the hearts of many. And evil marches on seemingly without a care leaving misery and sorrow in its path. Yet we press on, undeterred, situating ourselves in God's grand narr narrative of salvation and redemption. We press on, for we have laid aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of life. Now in this mortal life, now in this time, clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ in whom there is no darkness but only the light of life that forever shines, the light of life that guides our way and leads us ever forward into the day of peace that dimly shines but ever more shines more brightly by our faith, by our commitment, by our pursuance of what God has called us to do. 
This is our time, brothers and sisters. This is the calling that St. Paul gave to myself, the calling he gave to St. Augustine, the calling he gives to each and every one of you. The night is far gone. The day draws near. Lay aside the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and be strengthened in his name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.